Howdy everybody, welcome to Hangry and Horny, with your truly, Tony Floreal. Yes, this show is sponsored by DropAndFBomb.com. They make delicious nut butters that are macadamia based. They also make MCT oils, olive oils, basically good healthy fats that are amazing for our bodies. Great nutrition on the go. They have tearaway packet that enable us to have these things quickly as a snack or as a light meal something that doesn't bog us down and uh, gives us again amazing healthy fats for our nervous system our brain our cell membranes things that run off of fat and uh yes big shout out to ross and care taylor of f-bomb they make these incredible products they're amazing people they are just just phenomenal, phenomenal human beings. So check out dropandfbomb.com and use the promo code FLOWREAL, F-L-O-W-R-E-A-L, and get 20% off of your first order. So dropandfbomb.com or fatbomb.com and get yourself some incredible nut butters. Also, I'm having an event on July 21st and 22nd called the Magic Flow Bus in Santa Cruz, California. And basically what that is is an awesome day, a couple of days actually, of getting yourself into the most incredible alive flow state. This state of consciousness where we feel amazing, we perform amazing and uh, you'll be around just incredible groups of people and a community, a tribe of other people that are into just bettering their lives and being of service. So we basically share information and, and technologies from ancient practices like meditation and yoga to technologies like biohacking technologies with EEGs like uh, neurofeedback uh, readings and uh, all the sort of latest gadgets and gizmos that enable us to sort of enter this state of flow and so there's going to be uh, likely medical doctors there health professionals uh, people from all walks of life including corporate uh, athletes and uh, just regular you know joes and janes from uh, different parts of the world perhaps so check out magicflowbus.com if you're interested in attending this event it's application only so enter your email address and we will send you an application to fill out it's really quick and easy that way we can curate the event for the people that are interested and uh, it's going to be so much fun. So look forward to seeing you there. That's on July 21st and 22nd in Santa Cruz, California. My next guest is an incredible human being. He's a medical doctor. He's an integrative practitioner. He's studied all different kinds of uh, modalities, practice techniques um, on top of his you know, traditional medical training. And his name is Dr. Scott Schur, and he basically operates out of uh, the Bay Area near San Francisco. And he specializes in hyperbaric oxygen therapy, also known as HBOT. 
And basically, we get into, you know, how does hyperbaric oxygen therapy work? What are the benefits of that for the human body in regards to healing and performance? Uh, what type of people, the, uh, you know, the basically the people that are, um, you know, that are qualified or, or I'm, I'm using chalk of words here, but, you know, that they... Um, have benefits or people like traumatic brain injuries um people that suffered from broken bones wounds um traditionally this type of therapy had been discovered from uh diving from coming up too quickly to the surface and developing a condition known as the bends and dr scott gets into these type of uh treatment and also the uh the, again the health benefits sides of it so he's again an incredible human being i'm so blessed to have him as a colleague and a friend a dear friend and uh I think you'll really like this episode, so check it out with Dr. Scott Schur. Peace. What's up, Dr. Scott Schur? Cheers. <laughs> Cheers, man. Brother. I felt like I needed to do that. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty neat, right? We've got these little microphones here. It's just great to be with you, Tony. It's so good to see you again, man. It's been a while. Uh, traveling a lot. You've been as you are. Yeah, exactly. All over the place. All over the place. But home is where your heart is, right? Which is you with you. It, man. So yeah, exactly. as you go, so you are. Yeah, yeah. Right? Speaking of the heart, we got oxygen, yeah. we got the, the lungs. Yeah. So we're at the Bay Area Hyperbaric Oxygen Therapy Center. We are today. Yes. I happen to be here usually about two days a week. Okay. I come over here and I see patients that are involved in understanding how their conditions, whether they have them or if they're just looking to optimize their health, can be improved by going in a high oxygen environment, which are these chambers that you have seen. Yeah, so these are, are like glass chambers. Yeah, so hard. there's glass chambers, there's steel chambers, there's soft chambers. They all have the same technology, basically, but all different pressures, all different uh, strengths of oxygen, let's call them, oxygen doses. So the more pressure you put on a chamber, the more pressure uh, plus oxygen the more oxygen goes into the body, basically. Okay. So hyperbaric oxygen therapy, it's called, it's oxygen chambers or whatever. It's increasing atmospheric oxygen, atmospheric pressure. So you combine the two together, you drive more oxygen into the system, and you cause you know, physiologic change to help with healing, basically. I call it like the massive accelerator, the massive synergizer. Uh, it's not mutually exclusive to most other things that you would do as well. So if you're looking to heal... Like you're going to go get surgery and you're going to take your anti-inflammatories or you're going to do physical therapy. Hyperbaric therapy is just going to speed up the process. Okay. Um, so I, that's what I love about it. So I, I don't have to jump on anybody's toes and say, you know, you need to do my therapy. My therapy is the only way. No, it's, this is something that can help you synergistically with what you're already doing. It's already complementary. Yeah. Okay. So I have like, I have colleagues across the world that are doing hyperbaric therapy simply for anti-aging because we know it helps with blood vessel growth in the brain, in the heart, 
and even in your genitals. Interestingly wow. enough, yeah. yeah. There's just a paper that was published on MRIs of the penis, interestingly oh, enough. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is great, man. Speaking of getting hangry and horny here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. Yeah. So, yeah, but it's not my penis. It's some, somebody else's in the diet. It's funny because I just did a, a talk on this particular topic, and I showed a picture of my brain on MRI, like in an MRI scanner, something called a, a diffusion tensor image, which is... Uh, an image that looks at the functional scan of your brain, looking at how your brain's actually working, not just a static image of like an MRI or a CT scan, but how blood is flowing and how the metabolism is, is working. Now, so I, I showed a picture of my brain because I, I did the diagnostics when I was in Israel visiting them. But then the next slide was a picture of the penis <laughs> on an MRI. And I didn't even think to tell people that it wasn't mine. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, it, but it's not. Yeah. It was in a study paper. And uh, it was funny. I was with a colleague. She's like, you got to be sure you tell people that it's not yours. <laughs> I know there's a little association there, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, so, the two brains. <laughs> yeah, the two brains. Exactly, yeah. So we know that hyperbaric therapy increases stem cells naturally from the bone marrow, which is where they're produced, they get released into circulation, which helps with healing, helps with inflammation, helps with injury. We know that we increase the number of blood vessels that are produced as well. So that's what you need. You need blood vessels to get to tissue to oxygenate it, right? Or to get the nutrients that are in our blood vessel system to get to those tissues and to help them keep healthy. So that's what I do here. That's awesome. So like, how does this process work with oxygen? Like how does oxygen improve healing or even performance? Yeah. So there's a lot of different ways it's doing that, but there's the acute way it's doing it. And sort of like you go into a chamber and acutely you get a lot more oxygen in the circulation. So that's really good, especially if you have areas that have had injury areas. So like, for example, if you had a trauma, if you broke something or if you know, you had a limb almost amputated or something, right? You have a lot of damage to tissue. What hyperbaric therapy is going to do is allow oxygen to get to that tissue to prevent it from dying. So if you have like a blockage, for example, and like blood flow can't pass, but oxygen still can diffuse into the tissue beds outside of the blood vessel. And when you have a lot more oxygen in circulation, it's you can go further. So you can prevent more tissue downstream of that injury uh, from breaking down. The other thing that can happen in the acute setting is that when you have blood vessels that are blocked um, and then they open up again, all the downstream blood vasculature and all the tissue uh, starts degenerating and then you get blood flow through it again, it causes more damage, actually. It's called reperfusion injury. So it's it can be nasty, and so hyperbaric therapy can prevent some of that from happening. Now, what I should have mentioned is that we have oxygen-carrying capacity. Like, we have these cells in our body called the red blood cells that carry oxygen from our lungs. We take a deep breath, 21% oxygen in the air that we're breathing now. Yes. Okay, only 21%. That's all we typically need to do most of what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. Right. That oxygen gets carried on the red blood cells all throughout our body mm -hmm. and all throughout our tissues. And it gets delivered to our tissues, right? So then the red blood cell comes back to the lungs after delivering that oxygen, carries more, and the circulation continues. The cycle continues. Right. Now, what hyperbaric therapy does differently is that it doesn't just oxygenate the red blood cells. It actually diffuses oxygen directly into the plasma or the liquid of our blood. By doing that, you can increase the amount of oxygen you have in circulation by like 1,200% or more. Okay. So you can use that extra oxygen to make energy at the cellular level right. and also to deliver oxygen to tissues 
that may be at risk for dying, um, or tissues that are uh, that are infected. For example, if there's an infection that doesn't like high oxygen environments, so those can be tissue the infections like that happen in your mouth or happen in your gut, happen in soft tissues as well, like MRSA, for example, or Lyme disease. Mm. Um, it can help actually kill those bugs directly because of the high oxygen environments. Okay, but over time, what hyperbaric therapy does is actually have an effect on epigenetics. Epigenetics is the study of how the environment interacts with your DNA. In this case, we're giving you a stimulus of high oxygen. That oxygen is affecting your DNA. It's, it's causing an expression and suppression of various genes that are responsible for inflammation, for growth, for programmed cell death or the death of tissue to either prevent it or for Sometimes we actually need tissue to die, so it depends on the process. Okay. But so one session or a couple sessions of hyperbaric therapy cause an acute rise in oxygen levels, help prevent tissue from dying, decrease inflammation, help with stem cell release, and then a protocol of hyperbaric therapy helps recreate that scaffolding that tends to degenerate over time, whether it's natural aging or if it's from a tissue injury whether it's concussion or whether it's a, a foot injury or an ACL tear mm -hmm. or a surgical incision, it's going to help in the short term in the way that I mentioned, also in the long term, helping recreate those tissue beds and scaffolding of, I like to think of it like a building, right? Like if you have a scaffolding on the building, right. that's what keeps it up. Okay. And then if you don't have that, the tissue deteriorates just like a building would. Provide so, structure. Yes, yeah. exactly. So okay. the structure, yeah. Got it. So when you have uh, so pressure, which is the uh, hyperbaric part, and then you infuse oxygen, is that uh, all the oxygen like going into the tissue, like through the tissue or through respiration? So it's through breathing. Okay. Yeah, it's all through breathing. Yeah, so okay. because it has to be, you breathe it in, and then you pressurize it. So like I mentioned, I think 21% oxygen in the air that we're breathing now. Yeah. In the air that you breathe in a chamber is usually somewhere around 100% oxygen. And so you increase the amount of oxygen circulation by breathing more of it and then pressurizing it. You can't just breathe more of it and get the same effect because pressure by physics, it's a physics law called Henry's law. The more pressure you put on a gas, in this case oxygen, mm -hmm. the more of that oxygen gets driven from the gaseous form into the liquid form. Okay. And that liquid is then diffused into the plasma, the liquid of our blood, and then free-floating oxygen just going where it needs to go. And so that gives you more oxygen-carrying capacity. I often think about like somebody like Lance Armstrong, for example. Right. People that want to increase their oxygen-carrying capacity. There are two ways to do it. Either you increase the number of red blood cells in circulation, and that's done through either altitude training um, or doping, so using banned substances like epigen, or auto-transfusing, so giving yourself your own red blood cells back. An alternative to that is going into a chamber, hyperbaric chamber, increasing your oxygen-carrying capacity, and it's a shorter-term stimulus. However, it still has the same short-term effect, which is increasing that oxygen-carrying capacity. So I have athletes that come and see me, and they use it for endurance kinds of... Um, uh, they use it for endurance, for example. Yeah. Um, they can also use it for recovery. So they can use it to help recover from injury or recover from even a workout because you're increasing that oxygen carrying capacity to help tissue heal. Because as you know, like from exercise, you're causing like micro tears in muscle so they get to rebuild 
in a stronger way. Right. And what hyperbaric therapy is going to do in that capacity is help with that process. Okay. So yeah. it's uh, increasing the mitochondria's abilities or uh, actually increasing the, the concentration of mitochondria as well? So mitochondrial density is, is also occurring. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. You know, mitochondrial density is thought to be something that's related to there's lots of reasons why that that it goes up and down. Exercise also increases mitochondrial density. We think that what happens in the chamber is it's not the oxygen itself that's doing it, but it's likely the pressure that's occurring on the blood vessels and on the cells that's causing the mitochondrial density to go up. If you go into higher altitude, you also create more mitochondria because you need a you know more bang for your buck. The cells need more of them, more mitochondria floating around to harness as much oxygen as possible to make energy. So like, let's say like altitude, so there's less oxygen up in that those levels, so you're forcing an adaptation of the body to create more red blood cells right. in order to carry more oxygen to be able to enable you to like survive up there and not like fatigue. Right, okay. right, exactly. So that's what happens with anybody that does altitude training is that the natural body's hormones, the one I mentioned before, epigen, gets released and more red blood cells are stimulated. Also, something else happens that we're more oxygen on the red blood cells. We have four sites. Typically, at, at sea level where we are now, it's very rare for more than two to come off of those four. But if you're at altitude, usually more come off at the tissue level because there is this dissociation that occurs at, at higher altitudes, basically hormonal shifts and chemical shifts that allow more oxygen to be delivered to the tissue naturally. But at the same time, more red blood cells are produced and um, you get more, obviously, oxygen carrying capacity that way too. What's the history of hyperbaric oxygen therapy like? How did somebody just discover that this is the process in which yeah. you put somebody in a little <laughs> container, pressurize it, and throw in oxygen? It's kind of crazy, actually. Um, it started, I think, the first time they described hyperbaric conditions was like 1664. Really? So what they did was they took a sealed chamber, a sealed steel chamber, and they had and they attached it to an organ bellow, you know those old organ bellows that have like the flutter, and they're either they either sucked air out or pushed air in. And they it was about for like, you know, almost like 3 or 200 years, they realized it had they thought it had certain medical benefits if you either put air into the chamber or you sucked air out. So nobody knew really what oxygen was. Nobody knew what was in air, but they knew that if you sucked air out of a chamber, people got better under certain conditions. And if you if you pressed air into the chambers, people got better in other conditions. So that was kind of the first foray into understanding what hyperbaric conditions were. Mm -hmm. Because when we're talking about hyperbaric, H-Y-P-E-R, we're talking about increased atmospheric pressure. We're simulating the pressure that you would feel if you were under a certain amount of seawater, actually. And that's how the terminology all came because they realized, so seawater, hyperbaric therapy really became a therapy because of bridge building, because of diving. Because what they found is that if a diver was under a certain amount of sea level water, they came up too fast, uh, or if a bridge builder was doing the same thing, they were underneath the water building the bridge, but they came up too fast, they would have these severe neurologic symptoms. Sometimes they would die. Sometimes they would be paralyzed. In fact, I was talking to uh, somebody today who was a Navy diver who had 
actually seen this happen, where you have these severe symptoms happen. And then what they realized back in the 1800s was that if you put them back into these chambers, like for example, if you're building a bridge underneath the water, their symptoms would go away. Hmm. So they would suddenly no longer have paralysis or severe symptoms of neurologic compromise. All those symptoms would go away. So what they realized is that they had to figure out a way to do this outside of putting people back under the water if they were very sick, for example. So that's how hyperbaric chambers were developed. Okay. And so they were developed for decompression illness. They were developed for the bends. And so the, the gentleman I was speaking to today told me a story from his own experience, and I had seen this too, where a diver comes up too fast, paralyzed, can't move, completely paralyzed because coming up too fast causes um, a gas called nitrogen to turn from a liquid into uh, a bubble, into a gas. And then the, that gas actually blocks blood flow, mm. causing tissue death behind that blood, that, that gas bubble. Wow. And so what hyperbaric therapy does is pressurizes that gas bubble and makes it go back into liquid form. Gets dissolved back into dissolved the back. liquid, okay. So he, the gentleman I was speaking to today, and others have seen this, and I've seen this in other capacities. You put them into, into a hyperbaric chamber, they walk out of the chamber. So they're paralyzed going in, and they walk out. They may be limping a little bit, but they're walking. Right. And I saw this in patients with carbon monoxide poisoning. Same deal, where you hyperoxygenate the body, competing for the carbon monoxide molecule, and outcompete it, and then they were paralyzed on a respirator, they walk out of the chamber. So dramatic, right? And then yeah. when I realized it was just oxygen and pressure, mm. I was kind of shocked. Yeah, because so many things we do in medicine are so complicated and are so uh, unhelpful. <laughs> and I was like, well, what can this be used for if it's just oxygen and pressure? And this is back in like 2007. And I was just phenomenally surprised by the research that had been done that was undergoing uh, at the moment, at mm -hmm. the time when I was looking at it in 2007, in patients with brain injury, patients with patients with strokes, uh, that are, you know, because there's a medical reason for hyperbaric therapy. It's approved by, uh, by insurance for like 14 different things. Okay. But on the, but on the investigational side, things that are not covered, like, it's just like amazing how much research is, was being done. And, and now over the last five years, it's just out of control. We're talking about brain injury and Lyme disease. We're talking about Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. Uh, we're talking about uh, patients with strokes, I think I mentioned, and patients that are have reflex sympathetic dystrophy or really bad complex regional pain syndromes. And, okay. And just amazing what we're doing. But right, wound healing. And wound healing, yeah. Right. yeah. Really what, so I did all this research. Like in 2007, I was like getting all excited. I'm this medical student. I'm like, oh my God, this can do all these amazing things. And, like, and then I'm like, what is it doing? You know, like what mm -hmm. is it really doing? Really what it's doing is healing wounds from the inside out. These are macrocosmic wounds, wounds that we can see, you and I, like on the outside, or they can be microcosmic wounds at the cellular level. But that's what it's doing. And it does it through decreasing inflammation, reversing low oxygen states, stem cell release, and killing in infections or killing bugs. That's it. Right. That's all it's doing. And then... You know, I have somebody that comes to see me and they say, well, Scott, I have, you know, any number of things, right? I have, I have migraine headaches. It's a really common one. People have migraines. And then I go, well, 
do these four things apply? And the answer is probably, right, one of them. And the most common one is inflammation. Okay. And then you have to think, okay, this is an inflammatory cascade that's causing a migraine to happen. And then I take another step back. And this is where all the people that you and I know so well come into play, like Dr. Harry and others, where there is an integrative approach that is extremely important. Because these chambers are really good, Mm -hmm. but they're not good done in a silo most of the time. Okay, They're really good done with an integrative approach approach and you and i have spoken about this yes you know with your technology with the machine that you use Mm -hmm. and i've spoken about this with dr harry and and cannabis and cbd and right and i've spoken to dr dan about dr dan angle with plant medicines and and some other ideas of of healing the brain and pulsed electromagnetic field technology and and psychologists and psychiatrists and and other mm-hmm. and like I can just go, but yeah, nutrition, exercise, yeah, right. like all that. But then yeah. I, then I, I, there was this time maybe about six months ago where I was almost overwhelmed by it because I was like, there's so many things that people can do. Like, what is the core that everybody should do? And suddenly, manifesting out of thin air mm-hmm. was Dr. Ted and uh, this program called Health Optimization Medicine which is a program that looks at foundational cellular health. Because, Tony, that's really where it starts. That's really where all of us evolved, which is yeah. cells. cells. We are cells. Yeah, we're zillions of cells. Trillions of Trillions, them, right. yeah. And not only just ours, right? We have inside of us like a 10 to 1 ratio of non-human versus human cells. Yes. So we are just one part of this gigantic organism that, you know, you talk about auras, you talk about... We have like this bacterial load all around us that we're communicating with people all the time. And so... Well, speaking of auras, we're, we're literally emitting electrical signals. Yes. So, you know, you don't have to like go into the whole woo-woo and say, no. like, I see like rainbows coming off of you, but like literally our tissues are run, our cells are run by electricity. Right. It's all electric, man. Yeah. And so, and not only our cells, but bacterial cells and yeah. fungal cells and, right. and virus and so, viral cells. So we're literally, what we are as a human being, as a host, we're hosting all these different cells Right. But we want it to be a symbiotic relationship. And unfortunately, the way our our environment has been comprised over since basically the Industrial Revolution, but really especially the last 50 years with a very, uh, it's a very sad state of affairs with our food supplies and the vitamin mineral contents of everything that we eat. Uh, the toxins in that we breathe and the toxins mm-hmm. that we eat. And then the electrical smog, all the different signals coming from varying technologies out there. Yeah, yes. so. it's all had this effect. And then we're seeing so much more chronic, complex medical illness as a result of it. And even not even that, just fatigue and just not, mm-hmm. and just people thinking that they're well, but they're just not sick. Mm. That's something Dr. Ted, one of my, one of our colleagues likes to say. So, and then you take some stuff out or you take out, you know, the most common example is just sugar. You take out sugar for two weeks and all of a sudden I can't believe I feel this good. Like I'm pooping every day and I have energy. I don't have all these dips during the day. Yeah. So my pain went away. My pain went away. Yeah. Um, so as I said, I was like, maybe it was even longer. It's like a year ago now. Right. I had, I was like, I, I, I got this. It's like, it's this integrative approach and it's all these things, but it's kind of overwhelming for people and there's so much they can do. But then I said, 
I just had a meeting with Dr. We all met in January of 2017, and he gave me this paradigm. Dr. Ted Achikoso. Dr. Ted Achikoso. Yes, I should say his full name. Yes, Dr. Ted Achikoso. And he gave me this paradigm. It was very simple. It's like, let's just work on the foundational health of the cell. The side effect of that is that most people are going to feel a lot better. And then I said, well, that makes a lot lot of sense. And then so... um, Health optimization medicine is really a foundational approach to health. And then once you have that in place, then everything else is easier. Hyperbaric oxygen therapy, now massive, massive shift. Things like CBD, uh, other technologies, microcurrent, um, other technologies like uh, like breath work, for example, even like low-tech technologies, yeah, right? right? Things that have been around forever. You bring all this stuff together, now you've massively... Amplified. Massively amplified, right. accelerated, accelerated. So, my approach used to be like seven different things. Now it's just health optimization medicine, hyperbaric therapy, other technologies, and other practitioners that may be helpful. And right. so, yeah, because a lot of people are overwhelmed with all this information and like right. trying to do like conquer Rome in one day kind of thing. Totally, and, yeah. You know, and yeah. Uh, so with health optimization medicine. You're going back to the, the root of, of life, which is the cell. Right. And so what's that process look like for somebody? Because that sounds like the lowest hanging fruit. You know, that's I mean, I think to- it's the, the umbrella, right? I think that we all need to be thinking at this level, right? The, if we're not thinking at the cellular level, we are missing something likely very significant. Even in like top performers, you know, in people that are top athletes, that do a really good job, people that you and I know, um, they're still, I look at their cellular levels of B vitamins or toxins, and I'm like, wow, these guys only need one to 2% more performance to run that you know, 50 yard dash in like one tenth of a second less. And that could change their entire career. Absolutely. Right? But for the rest of us regular people, we can still benefit in fact, we benefit even more because we're not even as close to as optimized as these guys from a performance side mm-hmm. and women, guys and women. So um, I, so health optimization medicine is a framework that relies on you know, four or three basic tests, looking at uh, cellular health, looking at gut health, and looking at food sensitivities. You take this data, you put it into a matrix, you interpret it in a very specific way, and then you create a supplement profile that goes along with what your deficiencies are, your toxicities are, and how you can balance, replete, detoxify, basically. You take out some foods that you're really sensitive to. Um, there's more to it than that, um, but that's the basic of it, right? And then then you, th- you throw in things like looking at circadian rhythms, looking at evolutionary biology, uh, looking at uh, epigenetics a little bit more. So I talked about hyperbaric therapy, as an epigenetic stimulus. Everything around us at all times is an epigenetic stimulus, right? Our environment, our lights, of course, the, sh- the crappy <laughs> lights in this room, yeah. the shitty lights in this room, I was gonna say, I'll just say. Uh, yeah, it's shitty, um, man. Yeah, no, I don't mind, Chris. <laughs> Free for all, man. I know. Um, and this don't is angry and horny over yeah, you after got all, it. right? Um, I gotta imagine you can say shitty on it. Yeah, um, absolutely. But so everything is, in our environments are, are always playing a role on our DNA. And we have great researchers. In fact, somebody you should talk to, a lady that works at Stanford, her name is uh, Dr. Lucia Aronica from Italy, who does epigenetic research. And we're looking and we're seeing now we have more, we're starting to get some markers in the blood now that we can actually see some of these epigenetic markers, but they're really difficult to see. 
but we know that they're coming and we know that um, our environment is all around us at all the time and there's not much we can do about it all the time. So the idea is if you work on your cellular health, you work on your gut health, you work on an evolutionary biology approach to your diet. So for example, you know, your heritage is where? Uh, it's a bunch of stuff. Man. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, I guess, Greek, yeah. uh, Italian, there's Japanese, there's yeah. you know, Southeast Asian, Filipino, yeah, yeah, a little right. bit of Spanish, a little bit of uh, Indian, a little bit of Eastern, yeah. uh, everything but, wow. but yeah, black, African. So That's pretty, amazing. Yeah, it was like a mixture of so many That's different amazing. things. But yeah, that 23andMe genetic yeah. test, right? Yeah, so. so for people like you, it's a little bit harder because like you have all these sort of variable evolutionary backgrounds because for somebody like me, like I grew up, I grew up in, in New York, but my heritage is mostly Russian, right? So you can you can sort of trace that back to see what's my what was my evolutionary diet, right? What was my diet for thousands of years, right? And what was the diet of somebody that was born in Greece or somebody that was born in Japan? And you and you can kind of take that approach along with looking at some of your food sensitivities, and that's kind of where you want to go, you right. know? So for somebody like you that has like 13 different things, a little bit harder, right? Right, right. I have um, to run the experiments and like right. write down how I feel after I eat kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And But the, the key, though, is that if you start off with looking at a, the cellular approach, looking at vitamins, minerals, cofactors, toxins, antioxidants, you look at your gut health, you look at allergies and sensitivities, you take out those foods, then you actually have a lot more resilience. And so that even if get you get more robust, yeah. Yeah. So that even if you eat stuff that's not, you know, evolutionary good for you, you still have the right cellular machinery to help you detoxify. Mm -hmm. Then you like you throw somebody in a chamber after going on an airplane, for example, where they were hypoxic, um, because I don't know. Which is low oxygen. Yeah, low oxygen. Yeah, yeah. So I'll explain that. So like we most of us don't realize that when you're in an airplane, you're pressurized at eight thousand feet above the sea, right? Um, so you're getting less oxygen while you're up there. That's one of the reasons why you're jet lagged. It's one of the reasons why you're more prone to infection uh, when you're on the plane. Then the Dreamliners, I think, are 6,000 feet. That's why there's less potential of having jet lag, is what they say. Yeah. It's because you're pressurized at a less altitude. Mm. So I often have people come in and get hyperbaric therapy afterwards because you're getting oxygenated, so you prevent some of that from potentially happening, some of the jet lag, some of the potential risk for infection, et cetera. But then if you've already optimized yourself, like you're already nutrient optimized and everything else, then you you know get into a chamber afterwards. It's like, it's magic, man. Like mm. we talk about like that synergy you know, synergy. Yeah. yeah. And so that's what I'm all about, you know, and that's, and then it's funny because people always, they find me a lot of times because of the hyperbaric work that I do. And, right. and I think maybe even you, you and I met because of that in some ways. And, and then I'm like, yeah, I, I, I yeah, I love hyperbaric therapy. I, I have a passion for it. I, I know it can help people optimize, synergize, accelerate, wound heal, um, decrease inflammation. But most of the time, unless you just had a trauma or just had an injury, it's going to be a more comprehensive approach that's going to be the best long-term solution for you, <laughs> the yep. Israelis, okay? Right, right. So, like, I went over so, to, yeah, yep. I went, I was in Israel. The reason why I mentioned this, there's a very specific reason. So, they have a, an anti-aging program in Israel. I went over there. I spoke to their docs. And they have an anti-aging program. It's a 60-treatment hyperbaric session protocol. 60-treatment. Wow. So Monday through Friday with the weekends off. They'll do diagnostics before. Okay. They'll do some therapeutics during. 
which they need to work on, but they're working on it. And they'll do diagnostics afterwards. One of the diagnostics that they do for some patients is the penis. They do For most people, they'll do the brain and they'll do imaging of the brain and they'll do it before and they'll do it after. And like they show me these beautiful pictures of brains that just did not have very good blood flow at first. And then afterwards, it's amazing the difference. And they have blood and markers. two months. In, yeah, two months. Well, two and a half months, 60 wow. treatments. Okay. So it's it's Monday through Friday. So oh, we're okay. talking about. Yeah. Yeah, so two and a yeah. half months. So, and they saw these pictures, show these pictures of the penis or show these pictures of the heart. So they'll have people run on these treadmills or do bikes looking at heart oxygen carrying capacity. So it's called the VO2 max. Right. So athletes know about that. Yeah. So they, what hyperbaric therapy is doing is regrowing or actually making the heart a better pump so more oxygen can get to the heart and can allow it to work better. So, but if you're not changing anything you did before, so for example, if you eat French fries and Cheetos, you get into a hyperbaric therapy protocol like this, your brain is going to get better, your heart is going to get better, your penis is going to get better blood flow. But if you don't change any of the stuff you did before, how long is it going to last? Right. And this is the, the question I had to the Israelis, right? I'm like, well, are you guys talking about diet? And they kind of demurred a little bit, you mm-hmm. know, because that's not their focus. Their focus is on their protocol. But they very much know that. So they're thinking about adding coconut oil. They're thinking about adding certain things and requiring certain amounts of exercise. But what they need is home. They need health optimization medicine, right? That's, that's, that's the umbrella, man. Like, yeah. Because if you can get people to go through that, and then add hyperbaric therapy to regrow the blood vessels and stem cells and everything else that I've been talking very fast about. Yeah. <laughs> I get excited. It's so super exciting, man. I mean, yeah. so back to the yeah. uh, health optimization medicine, you're talking about like before and after testing, so diagnostics, so you actually know what's going on. You're just not just shotgun method, throwing a bunch of vitamins and minerals in there, hoping for the best, right. you know, because that's what's going on right. out there. Everybody's trying to sell some sort of product and say like, this works for that, but everybody's different. That's what I love about what you guys are doing. Right. You're looking at the cells, you're looking at the individual and we're looking at like what kind of results are you getting based on the initial test right it's super common like you see all these studies that this particular supplement's going to stop you from having prostate cancer or this particular supplement is good for your breast health or whatever and they right? say may right it's yeah all. <laughs> because you can't do things solo, right? You can't, everything works in the body as a network. So it's important that you are looking at it that way, but you're also doing it in a way that's measured and that you're not just taking things either that you don't need or taking too little of the things that you do. And so, and there's, uh, there's challenges. Like if you're taking too many antioxidants, for example, you could potentially make your own body's antioxidant system work worse and that you require the external pills that's not a good thing either, right? So there's all these aspects of, and you and I see this a lot, that just, oh, this looks cool, I'll take that, I'll try this and do this, and it's just not a measured and quantified way of, of going about it. Yeah. If you really wanna have significant improvements, like you'll see studies that come out, This one, I think another one just came out a couple of days ago, you know, vitamins are bad for your health. You know, Vitamins will kill you. Well, you've seen that research. There's research yeah. on vitamin C that's like saying that it'll cause like uh, heart issues or they can yeah, yeah, vitamin C can cause kidney stones in people right. too. Yeah, and so 
everything has to be done in my world with a purpose in the sense that you are looking to see there's a person in front of you, right? So then mm-hmm. there's nuance to that. Yeah. It's not just about looking at data, but looking at that data and reflecting that data on the individual in front of you. Yeah. It's the art of it. You know, right. there's the not context. Yeah, the context. Yeah. And yeah. I think that gets lost too. You know, it's not just about data and I get that, but they can't be done without each other in the sense that like, if you're just looking at numbers on a piece of paper, um, you can start that way, but you can't continue that way in the sense that like, you know, I can close my eyes, look at paper, make supplement recommendations. That's okay. But as somebody's going through a supplement process or, or through like a balanced detoxification process, you need to be there to f- see the nuance of it. So because that's the art. That's so the you're art talking about the science, which is the data, and, yeah. and then the art side, which is a lot of practitioners yeah. miss, is the nuances. And what does yeah. that look Doctors like? Doctors miss that. But I think practitioners like, like coaches and others outside of the medical system are better at that because they have uh, doctors have lost the art of the relationship and yeah. the art of long term relationships with patients because right. it's, it's difficult to do. It's difficult because they're relegated to an insurance model a lot of times. Right, right. Yeah. You're only you're forced to spend what, a few minutes with each patient before yeah. you can't spend that time to really get to know them, have yeah. a conversation, really find out what's going on in their life. It's like, hey, what's going on? Oh, this the symptoms here, it's a prescription. Okay, next person. Yeah, right. exactly. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, you can get only so far if you don't do both, yeah. you know? And so one of the challenges I've had with hyperbaric medicine is that it, the quantification hasn't been there, but it's coming. You know, the Israelis are doing it, like I mentioned. And I think part of me on the, I've always been looking for how you have an integrative approach. Um, and, you know, I grew up, my dad's a chiropractor, right? So I grew up very outside of the medical system. I saw what he could do without any measurement, right? He, all he could, all he had to do was change the diet, adjust the spine, and people would get better. It's all by feel mainly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, there's a lot to that. But I think what, I, I think the future is this. The future is the collaboration of data, and art, and and that doesn't have to be the same person, by the way. It can be people working together in this collaboration that are taking these pieces and bringing them together. Some people are phenomenal at data. Some people are phenomenal at the art of the personal relationship. Mm-hmm. And- Actually giving a shit and caring. Yeah, yeah, yeah and that's, yeah. that's huge, right. you know? And I think you have to build on people's strengths and then make collaborative teams that allow those strengths to manifest exponentially. Right, so there's a place where there's no egos involved. Yeah, that's always the case, right? <laughs> that's always the hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I, I think- take, take credit, you know, people yeah. want credit, and it's yeah, I like, just, well, yeah. let's get the patient better. Let's get the person. Yeah, I just had a, a conversation with my dad about this. So my, my father, his name's Alan Sure, He runs a clinic called the Northport Wellness Center in New York, on Long Island. My father, he has a chiropractic practice, but he has about 30 different practitioners that work in the building that he owns. And he will refer like crazy, always. That's always what he's done. He doesn't always get the same referrals, right? It doesn't come back to him. Okay. And he's never had an ego about it because like you and I know, the more you give, the more you will receive organically. But unfortunately, a lot of us, 
ego driven, have a scarcity mindset, right? That those patients won't come back to us, or I am not good enough, or not uh, I'm not a good enough doctor, or whatever. It yeah, might be. or just admit that that I don't have the ability to help this person, but I'm going to give you to somebody that does. Right, and so I grew up in that mindset, that collaborative mindset. It was if you give, you know, you will receive. It's not about monetary gain for for that. I mean, especially in New York, for God's sakes, it's like it's like a pay to play atmosphere, man. So it's like he was definitely not the rule. He was the exception. Mm -hmm. So I grew up in that framework. And so as I've created hyperbaric medicine and my integrative approach and health optimization medicine, that's what sort of manifested is sort of these you know, these groups of of individual individuals, these collaborations, you know, with you and with Harry, with Dan, with Dr. Ted and and with Shaker and with with Austin and mm -hmm. and Dr. Carlos and Dr. Carlos, it's like a whole. Yeah. It's like yeah. all these people that'll probably be on your podcast eventually if they haven't been. And mm -hmm. and that there is, we all have we we need to have an ego sometimes. We all do. Oh, absolutely, yeah. man. Um, but like, if as long as you're aware of when you're using it, you know, like and like this group of people um, is is very much very much like that. It's like like it's a collaborative spirit, and so that's the beauty of it. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's where I, I mean, it happens in my family too, right? I have my wife and that we have to have a collaborative spirit or else if she thinks I'm doing, you know, you know how it goes, right? So if you have a bunch of kids to raise, it's got to be a collaborative environment. There mm -hmm. can't be an ego involved. And mm -hmm. so it happens on the family level. It happens on the, 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 the sort of the interpersonal level. And it definitely happens on the collaborative spirit when you're looking to be in, in a service profession as we right, are. Right, right. Yeah. Well, the key is like communication, right? And so that's kind of been lost through technology oh. and sort of like the fast, fast paced lifestyle, you know, mm -hmm. where people are like eating in front of the TV, you know, it's like talking at dinner, you know, yeah. like dinner table. So all these like sort of old values are being like replaced. And so, you know, people are texting each other from smartphones in the same room. Yeah. So all these different things are are the issues, right? And yeah. so it's like, how can we get to a place where it's like, yeah, I'm upset, but frame in a way is like, hey, I'm upset, and then say what's going on, and then the other person can be like, okay, that person, not take it personally, but yeah. just just listen. And so that's like the other art, you know. It's like, yeah. And that's what I love about like this team of us, you know, that all of us have that ability that we could tell that we care. We're actually listening, and we're able. That's one to of your gifts. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah. Well, part of being hearing impaired, you know, it's kind of like a That's, blind yeah. person, right? But um, yeah, it's just, it's something that I think is so important. And, you know, it's the, the pendulum swung so far. Right. And so a lot of people are seeing like what the the net result of that is. And so to have a, a that's why I'm like interviewing you. I want yeah. to like showcase the world, like who you are. Yeah. Because, you know, it's exciting to see that in the medical profession. A lot yes. of people are frustrated with doctors, but they have to understand that doctors are forced to uh, sort of be part of that system with insurance and that right. whole, you know, so it's, it's, it's not the doctor's fault per se, but, you know, and then you have like, <laughs> student loans you have like all these other responsibilities yeah. i can't i don't think i could think of a single person i met in medical school that went to medical school to make money that's not what they really went for but as they go through the system 
and I did it too. I, I was in medical school. I rotated through orthopedic surgery and dermatology and radiology, which are very high paying fields. It's like, oh, that would be nice. $900,000 a year. I could get used to that. You know, I could find out what I really like to do while I do that. And then I was like, that's bullshit. Yeah, I can't. I, I had to take the, a step back. I was lucky because I grew up alternatively and I grew up outside of the system. But I said, you know, if I had a billion dollars, a billion dollars, like money's no object, right? What would I want to do? And I tell medical students all this, all this all the time now because you get you get exploited in the process, right? You're working every, you're working so much, and you're tired, and you're taking tests, and you're in lit environments like this all the time, and you just you just don't have a good sense of yourself all the time, so you forget. And I'm like. Eh, if you had all the money in the world, a billion dollars, you get put a number on it, like even say 20 million, whatever it is. I like a billion though, because it's like so out of the control three comma club. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, right? the, it's basically the really fuck you club. You yes. <laughs> the unicorns. Yeah. And so if you had a billion dollars, like fuck you money, yeah. <laughs> you came to medical school to be a doctor. You have a billion dollars. What are you going to do? Plain and simple, you mm-hmm. know? And that's the question that you need to answer. I think yeah. all of us have to answer. Yeah, Not even money just, wasn't an issue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what would you do with your life? Because money comes if you're passionate about the things that you're doing and the, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Um, for everybody, it's different. But for me, it was understanding that my my role here, I think so far, as I understand it, is to is to bridge the chasm between you know the alternative and the allopathic worlds. And the way I've done that initially was through hyperbaric therapy. And I still do. But as I continue the process, the bigger paradigm shift is health optimization medicine because that's really an anchor. That's the foundation. And then everything else is built on that. And so I feel like I'm in the perfect place to do that. Mm -hmm. And now it's just about these things coming to fruition with my passion and my excitement and the collaboration from all these amazing people that you and I both know and that will continue to come into our life as we, as we grow and as all of this grows. So I'm just happy to be here, man. And, and then I have a family that supports me and I have beautiful children that I love and adore and, and a wife that I love and adore. And that it's Who's all, also a medical doctor. She's also a doctor. Yeah. 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 Right. So, you know, we just, every day is a beautiful day. And I, and I tell my kids this every morning, it's like, we get to choose our life. Mm-hmm. You, this is all, I don't tell them it's all an illusion or it's all a movie, but that's kind of what it is. We get to choose the actors and the players and how we react to things. It's not what they, what other people do to us. It's what we do as a result of what other people are doing around us. Right, right. And so it comes from us. And I've learned that through my children. Mm-hmm. And I've learned that through being a dad, you know, and having to change my entire perspective of what I thought the world should be. You know, so it all started with that for me, interestingly. And then it was all as a result of that, the expansion of understanding how much ego I really did have in the whole process and how much collaboration was possible if you just let it kind of come down here and let it manifest, you know. So where did this humility come from? Where does my humility come from? Yeah. Like, how did you come to this understanding? (laughs) It was... uh, I can think of a couple times in my life, but I think the one that comes to mind right now is having a, uh, my first child, having my first daughter. When I was still in, I think I was still in residency or maybe I just finished up and I was in my first year of practice. 
And my life was my life before that, right? I had a regimented life. I was very scheduled. Um, I slept when I slept. I exercised when I exercised. I ate when I ate. And I had control of all that. And then all of a sudden, I didn't have control of any of that again. I was getting woken up in the middle of the night. I wanted the, my, my daughter to sleep. She wouldn't sleep. She would wake me up in the middle of, you know, everything. Like all of a sudden, my world that I had created because I had complete control of it, I thought, was no longer under my control. And then I realized that, um, and it took a while for me to realize this because I had, I still have a little bit of PTSD from that time because it was mm. so traumatic for me because it was like, oh my God, oh my God. Like, some sort of like, wake up call. It was a huge wake up call. Yeah. It was like, it was a massive amount of humility that made me realize that there are bigger purposes. There's bigger, there's bigger things. There's raising kids and there's like, I can't live this way anymore. I can't live in such a structured environment. I'm protecting myself, but also closing myself off from so many opportunities just because I'm scared about what might happen. And so that, I think that was one of my first major shifts. Okay. Um, Cause at that point it was just you ego solo. Yeah. And then now all of a sudden you have some other, right, I was 30 years old. Right. Yeah. And, and I think for a lot of us, our twenties are a time where we find our independence, but we also find our ego in some ways, right? Like this is like, this is who I am. This is what I am. And this is what I'm going to be. And then like maybe our thirties are, I don't know, for me, my thirties have been a time of beating the shit out of that and saying, no, no, that's not, none of, none of that. It's true. And the, the real truth is much more inside of me than I ever realized. Mm. Nothing is external. It's all internal. And then I don't know what the 40s are going to bring. You can tell me, right? You just turned 40. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's a but, level of confidence and not giving a shit. Ah, yeah, see? Yeah, I think that's, that's and, beautiful. But again, I never had kids either. I just had like four-legged but, children. You right, know? it doesn't have to be. But it, that was it, what it was for me. But yeah. for, I think for, for everybody, it's a different process. I mean, that was the first thing for me was kids. The second thing for me, I think the second major shift for me was then I had a couple business endeavors that I thought were like were rocking and rolling and then they were great. One of them you know about. Yes. And the, but another one even before that. Okay. Um, that just crashed and burned. Mm. And I was completely, completely shattered by the process. And I realized, why am I so shattered by this? Like what, I shouldn't be shattered by this. This is like, and as you both know, like for every failure, there's about a thousand opportunities versus for every opportunity, there's like an opportunity, right? You know, so like, like the, the, the ROI on failure is so huge, mm -hmm. but you don't realize that in the, in, in the present moment. And yeah, so shit's going down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> man. And so it was really the exploration, I think the and the compounding of, of those experiences of having with my children and those business endeavors that failed that really put me on the process of, of, of personal development and sort of self development, right. And, and knowing that it came from me and this is throughout, you know, everything that we've spoken about, learning about hyperbaric therapy, having a family, you know, meeting, meeting you at, at the, at the Bulletproof conference in 2016, like all of this was sort of happening on that arc. Right. So, mm -hmm. but none of this stuff happened until I realized it was about, working on what was inside of me that mattered uh, and then everything else started happening 
So how did uh, your life unfold? I mean, was it, if you look back on look, making the connections with those dots, you know, looking back 2020 vision, mm-hmm. um, would you feel like, did like uh, hyperbaric oxygen therapy just like fall into your lap? Like how, how did you end up in that place? And mm-hmm. what, what about it like sparked your, your interest in it versus the whole bunch of other directions you could have gone with medicine i think i always came back to that one question for me which was if i had a billion dollars what would i do i knew i didn't want to be a conventional doc from the outset i had to hide that a lot of times when Mm -hmm. i was going through medical school My 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 friends my good friends knew i was crazy you know in the sense of like the things that i believed but most people thought you're eccentric basically yeah yeah, Yeah. you know i I talked about diet. I talked about things that they thought, and most conventional doctors don't put a lot of stock into. That's okay. Um, But I kept it on the down low for the most part. Mm -hmm. But I always knew deep down that I loved connecting and helping. And, and And I always knew that I was a collaborator, not doing things on my own. So I think for me, my process started there. And I always knew that whatever I was going to do was going to have those pieces in play. It wasn't going to be conventional. It wasn't going to be solely alternative. It was going to be in bridging divides, in bridging the chasm. Yeah. And it was just how exactly. You right. Know? And all of that has manifested over time as I've, I've, been, I've worked really hard to do it. But at the same time, I, th- I, I just... I, I, I love the process. I used to hate the process, but over time I've gone, grown to love the process. And as I've loved the process and the failures and the opportunities, that's really where the acceleration happened. It happened very slowly at first. Learning about hyperbaric therapy, I thought this was very cool. How did you know. find out about that? Oh yeah, found out, so I found out about hyperbaric therapy in a trauma center in Baltimore that was using it for acute traumas for people that had carbon monoxide poisoning and flesh-eating bacteria infections and soft tissue infections. And I saw them go into this gigantic chamber in the, in the basement, and I saw them come out of the chamber looking so much better than when they first went in. So I asked the technicians what they were doing, and they just said it was a combination of oxygen and pressure. And I was like, that's it? That's all it is? Yeah, not some complicated right. chemistry. So that's why I got excited about it because I knew how simple it was. And then I did more research and I saw what it was being used for in other countries, what it was being approved for in, in the US. And I realized it could be that bridge. It could be that, that what I was looking for. I tried regular primary care in a conventional insurance setting for a year, just about cut my head off. Um, the people were very nice. It was nobody's fault. It was just the system is broken. For me, it wasn't going to be the system where I felt I could have the greatest effect, the greatest potential for change. So I stopped that. Um, I went into the, I, I work in the hospital still. I do some acute care. I think hospital, hospitals are really good at acute care, but I, I don't think they're good at, at anything else, really. So if you have an acute issue, you go to the hospital, right? You get drugs, you get antibiotics, you get pain, you get pain medications if you need them. Although Dr. Harry, you know, can give you CBD or THC or something. But <laughs> um, but there's other ways. But again, acute trauma, acute care, hospitals are really good at, but they're not good at anything else. 
there's well, that's not entirely true. There's some good some screening mechanisms that are relatively good. You know, colonoscopies are good. Mammograms are okay. There's some controversy there. You know, prostate screening, they're okay. You know, mm-hmm. but over and abundantly, conventional care is not very good at anything else from the, from a longitudinal perspective. So yeah, in terms of a, like uh, giving you like the most bang out of your life, in terms of wellness and feeling great and having energy, feeling alive. Yeah, and we uh, we talk about lifespan and we talk about health span. Mm-hmm. So lifespan is how long you live and health span is how long you're healthy. And unfortunately, even though lifespan might be going up slightly, health span is dramatically going down. The quality people. of life. Yeah. Quality of life. Right. So that's what I care about. And that's what you, that's what most people oh, I think yeah. do care about. Yeah. Right? Like, do you want to live 30 years demented or do you want to live 30 less years with great health? Right? Mm-hmm. And so hopefully there's a happy medium where you can really have an increased health span for a longer period of time. And then you just, you croak, you die. Mm-hmm. That's what all of us want, ideally, right? Is that you have 85 years of amazing life and then the next morning you're dead. Right. Great. Yeah. Or you choose to die. Like, you know what? I'm, I'm good. You yeah. Know? You just like uh, take a nap and that's it. Yeah. yeah. I think ideally that's what we'd all like. Mm-hmm. And so that's what the goal, right? Is however many years you have, they're good years. And that when you're done, you're done, right? You get, maybe you get cancer, then you die in a, you know, in a week, you know, or whatever it is. But the key, I think the shift that's coming is this health span idea. The, and that's what hyperbaric therapy can be used for uh, in, in, in its appropriate setting. That's what the Israelis are doing. That's what health optimization medicine is all about. Um, that's what these other technologies really are kind of dancing around. Like, but it, they're dancing around in sort of this collaborative spirit where their use can be exponential. So if you're talking about breath, you're talking about um, other technologies or whatever they, neurofeedback or lights or, or heat and cold and, you know, you fasting, the fasting. Right. Yeah. yeah. They're all part of this ecosystem of working on health span, but everybody, it's challenging. Like I said in the beginning, because there's so many things you can do. Right. Right. So, and um, it's helpful to have somebody to be a part of that process with you, whether it's a coach or a friend or a collaborative, as it were, to say, you know, maybe you should think of this first, given what's going on, you know? And so what I've been trying, to, what I've been sort of feeling is, and I was just on the phone just a couple minutes ago talking about this, you need to have these sort of, you know, families, these collaboratives of people working together where somebody can come in, you know, a client, a patient, whatever, and drop in and sort of get conducted around various practitioners and coaches and other things that that becomes their ecosystem mm-hmm. that they feel comfortable and then they become probably a part of the those collaboratives as well as they feel better get better perform better feel better magic flow bus style yeah man. flow better yeah, yeah exactly. so that, and flow better so yeah and that's what the magic flow bus is all about giving you a taste of some of these technologies some of these practices um, that, it's a collaborative and, and, in itself. Yeah, and then you're in a community because environment's stronger than willpower. So, you know, that's the, that's the highest indicator of happiness. As you and I both know is your community, your tribe, your tribe, right? Like you can eat hot dogs and, and, and bacon with the most preservatives and everything. But if you are happy, you are going to live longer than somebody's unhappy that eats a vegan diet. Right. Right. You know, Hands down. Just because of what? Stress. Stress. Yeah. Okay. Stress, community, 
oxytocin man, mm-hmm. the love and warm horm, the love and warmness, the hormone itself being released when you're touching somebody else, when you're hugging somebody else, when you're having a great conversation. You can't replace that. That deep, yeah. that, you know. So, so you lose track of time. That's the whole flow state thing. Is that yeah. you're in the present moment. You feel like somebody. You're connecting with them. That you're engaged. You see that they're listening. You're listening back. Right. right? So you're right. you're having a shared experience that you right. wouldn't be able to do if you were solitary. Right. I think that's what you were doing, and that's what I'm I'm facilitating. I hope is that um, creating these collaborative communities. Uh, where this happiness quotient goes up through you know through the fucking roof for everybody not only the people that are the people that are sort of the facilitators the helpers but also the people inside the community that are being helped and that they in response become the helpers as well because now they're part of this collaborative and that in their own ways, whatever that is. And it's a small we're, way, large way. We got to be honest, man. We're just trying to create another cult. <laughs> <laughs> if you call it drain the Kool-Aid, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I, that word is, is so mired in terribleness, but it's true. It's I, a mean, cult. I like yeah. to say it in a positive yeah, connotation, yeah. A, a cult is a culture, yeah, you know, something that's, that's that like, like creates some sort of space of renaissance. We're, you know, we're sharing ideas, we're connecting with each other, we're looking at, like, how we can, like, optimize the quality of our life, and then the quantity, you know, like, let's do the best that we can, and then let's do it for as long as possible with each other, and using all these amazing tools that we have access. We're not, like, we're not, like, exclusive, man, like, come, help, be. Yeah, totally inclusive. Like, like you're not gonna have to wear any crazy sneakers or take any, you know, like, like, if you want, you can wear sneakers. I don't care, but um, Austin can help you there. I don't know what shoes you should wear, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. Get some five fingers. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But I, I think that's what it is. It's like hyperbaric therapy, health optimization, medicine, microcurrent, magic flow bus. You know, yeah, it's good all food. Good yeah, food. It's yeah. all about all of it is based in community. All of it's based on connection, collaboration, and the rest will just come. Right. The rest will just be. Like, how did we lose touch of that, man? Like, all the simple things of life, yeah. which is like, you, you have a family, you know, yeah, there's always going to be some sort of uh, issues, like, through any kind of community. Yep. But, you know, how did we forget to, like, eat food together? I mean, that's like the big thing that creates, like, connection, that kind of puts a pause on life, you know? And then... Yeah, that, well, that's why you and I are here. You know, yeah. I, I think what it comes down to, and I think, yeah, it starts with us. Absolutely, and that's what we're doing, man. So back to because um, I'm really curious about the hyperbaric uh, oxygen therapy. Okay. So, like, yeah, what's going on with oxygen and pressure in that combination? Like, how is it working so effectively for, and and then uh, secondly, it seems like because you're in the chamber, like, it's not just like one area, it's like your entire body systemically is like being benefited, even if you're just working on a wound mm-hmm. or a broken bone, all the other tissues are also being benefited being right. in that chamber. Right. I mean, like I mentioned before, I think it, it's an accelerator of the wound healing process. So all the cells that are responsible for healing need to be stimulated uh, to be produced when you have a wound, for example. Hyperbaric therapy just makes all of that happen faster. So it helps with cartilage uh, cells being produced. It helps with bone cells being produced. It helps with connective tissue cells. 
um, all that related to stem cell release. But it's the combination of oxygen and pressure that drives more oxygen into the body. And it's the oxygen itself that gets delivered to the tissues, uh, to the cells in the tissue, and the cell's DNA that allows this whole process to happen. So the DNA is getting switched on, so that's the epigenetic signal from the environment. And so the DNA is basically communicating to the cell inside of all the different like organelles, like like ramp it up, like yeah, exactly. So the DNA is is static. However, there's proteins that get transcribed from the DNA, depending on the stimulus onto the DNA itself, that allow the body to manifest either more inflammation, less inflammation, depending on what's needed. When hyperbaric therapy is involved. The proteins that are expressed more are those that are responsible for growth, so bone growth, cartilage growth, connective tissue growth, uh, blood vessel growth, and then it also produces more uh, proteins that are responsible for decreasing inflammation, so helping with decreasing inflammation as well, and then also helps with uh, programmed cell death, so preventing cells from dying that may be at risk if they're not getting enough blood flow, for example. So. That's how hyperbaric therapy is working at the cellular level. And that's really what it comes down to. Long-term improvements in the chamber are, res- are the result of that stimulus. Okay. So that high oxygen and pressure also uh, eliminates viruses and bacteria. Yeah. And, uh, it directly can kill those things. It kills bugs that don't like high oxygen environments. They're basically anaerobic. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. when I saw that flesh-eating bacteria case or a couple cases in, in medical school, that is an anaerobic or an organism that does not like high oxygen environments, causes gas to form. So hyperbaric therapy is this massive systemic stimulus, stimulus of oxygen that kills those bugs directly. So saving tissue, saving mm. this really terrible infection from spreading very fast. And I've seen it, man, it's nasty. You know, it's a nasty infection. So people have to get amputations all the time. So if you can prevent amputations, that's usually a good thing, you know? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Um, so the, like the bugs that are in the body. So what's, what's causing these, these things to sort of, uh, multiply in the body? Like if, if a, if a human being is, is, I guess not living a certain lifestyle of like getting circulation and flow in the body. Mm-hmm. So basically the tissues start to like, um, you know, I guess the blood vessels contract, the, the body can't. They start dying. And the blood yeah. vessels start dying because, I mean, if you're living a bad, like a, like a, what a exam- toxic lifestyle. Yeah, what's, yeah. what example of the, a toxic lifestyle that yeah, usually causes people yeah. to uh, be a lower oxygen com- uh, capacity or caring uh, individual? It usually starts with your diet, you know, usually toxins and your diet and things that you're eating that are causing inflammation because really what it comes down to, Tony, is it's all about inflammation. So every process in our body gets deregulated, gets uh, get malfunctions when you have inflammation. And inflammation starts with your gut and what you're eating. So if you're eating foods that are infl- in, and there are a lot of inflammation that's causing, if you're you know, ingesting lots of toxins in your environment, uh, causing inflammation, that's going to manifest in degeneration disease, deterioration of blood vessels, of tissue, of cellular processes down the line. So inflammation meaning like heat, like, so inflammation, uh, like too much heat in the cells. So I think the best way to think of inflammation is not so much heat, but as in 
as in factors, as in things that get released from cells when they're trying to protect themselves, when there's toxins around so that there's the production of, of, of inflammatory mediators, things in the body that cause a reaction. That reaction may not be overt, it may be a mild one, but then as a result of that reaction, the body has to be under a stressful state. So it's stressfully trying to combat this, these toxins and these, this inflammation. And as a result of that, you, you deplete antioxidants and you deplete your natural stores of vitamins and minerals and cofactors. And as a result of that, your whole body starts deteriorating and that inflammation gets out of control. And this is like happening like chronically like yeah. over time. So it may not be like an overnight thing, like a acute uh, inflammation. Typically right? not. Yeah. Right. Okay. And so with that chronic inflammation, um, people like vitality, wellness and health start to just get lowered and then their immune systems compromise. So what, they just can't fight off these bugs. Essentially. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's funny because back in like, the 80s or 90s, maybe early 90s. And my father used to tell me, uh, you know, food is the most powerful drug you have. I used to tell my friends that, and they used to laugh at me in the 1990s, you know, but it's, there's nothing more true. Right. Nothing. I mean, nothing. Because, I mean, really, that's what we do every day. We eat for the most part, unless you're fasting, of course. But um, so it's about the food that we eat, and it's about, but it's also understanding and I think measuring what is what should we be eating and what shouldn't we be eating, right? And, and having an evolutionary perspective there to see it because it all comes down to inflammation because inflammation is what causes heart attacks and strokes. It's not atherosclerosis itself. It's inflammation that causes these reactive plaques from happening because there's inflammation. That's the challenge. You're, you're facing, you're trying to kill plaques or trying to decrease the amount of arterial sclerosis or whatever, but that's an end process. That's not the beginning of the process. Right. It's not fat itself. That's like basically clogging up these blood vessels. It's inflammation. Inflammation. So inflammation is breaking down the inside walls yeah. of the uh, blood vessels and then causing fat, fat or plaque. It's getting stuck up in yeah. there to yeah. repair it. Okay. It happens in the brain too. It happens everywhere, you know? So, um, it's all inflammation, Tony. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but obviously the some inflammation is good, right? Sure. Yes. Short term hermetic inflammation, right? Hormetic inflammation. The idea that you need to have short periods of stress to rebuild the body better. Exercise, sauna, cold, all common, you know, short term stressors that are good. Fasting is also good, right? Um very good short term, but long term. You know, like marathon runners die early, right? Yeah. Um, the first marathon runner, right, ever. Like he went from one city, what, the city of Marathon to the city of what, Athens or Athens something. Athens or something. And then just died as soon as he got there. Right. Right? Not good for you, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so you often, you all see this often, right? You see these, you know, people that look like they're in amazing shape, but they're, they die of heart attacks. Yeah. Uh, because like fitness is not necessarily a correlation to health. Because they have There's massive a little amount, bit, yeah, yeah a little totally. bit of fitness, but yeah. not extreme. Because they have massive amounts of, of systemic infl okay. inflammation that's that's happening because of all the the stress of of doing all that exercise over time. So um, it's really about inflammation. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, and it's exciting too because of all this information that we have now. So mm -hmm. there are people that are doing their own experiments with nutrition to yeah. find out what works best for them. You guys have the home protocol that if somebody really wants to like dial it in and yeah. like really know what's going on in your body with the help of the right. team of experts. Of yeah, home. and we're going to certify docs and practitioners across the world. And so 
we're not trying to keep this as a couple home doctors. It's going to be coursework that's going to be provided to doctors and practitioners to get certified in, and then they can use it in their own practices, whatever their practice might be. If they're a chiropractor, they can use it in their practice. If they're an osteopath or a nephrologist or a neurosurgeon, if they really, you know, whatever it is, they can use it in their practice. It's outside the insurance model, so it's a cash-based practice right now. But truthfully, my goal of this whole thing is like, this is going to move the needle. If we if we even had the data, we could get it to fellowships, we get into medical schools, and that's even better. Yeah. We'll see. Absolutely. So let's touch on like people actually paying for their own care, you know, because most people want to have insurance. That's a good point. Pay for all these things, including uh, hyperbaric oxygen therapy, which I'm sure insurance does cover. For some indications. Yeah. yeah. So um, l- let's look at like the compounding effects that come from investing in yourself. Oh man, and that's that's this is a question I get a lot. And as you know, is these I, I know you get it as well, Tony, because when you're doing things outside of the insurance realm, you are paying for it, right? Initially, but you are not paying for it over the long term as an investment in your health. And so, uh, with Dr. Ted Achikosa, one of my colleagues and yours, and a mentor of mine, says, you know, how much you know did the original MRI scans cost? You know, and how much benefit did that have right so the and so you can think of it from a conventional perspective like those machines do a lot of good they cost a lot of money initially but you paid for them and they had a lot of great benefit right and so that's what's happening with health optimization it's going to cost more money right now because it's a new process um hyperbaric therapy same thing but as it gets more out there there will be a cost savings over time just plainly on how much it costs. But the investment in your health is so huge. The ROI. The ROI. Long term, yeah. yeah, but you have to have a preventative mindset. And unfortunately, humans are not set up to have that. So more of us are understanding that, but we are almost all reactive people. We don't think proactively. It's not in our DNA. It's not in the tribal DNA, really. It's about protecting the tribe, protecting our, our families or... Yeah, it's you know it's the uh, the happy puppy. Like, where's the squirrel? And you know those kinds of things. Like that's that's it's how we're distracted, broken. right? So I guess because um, the next question I was thinking of was like, how did we come to this path ourselves, right? And so I just thought about you know all the health challenges I had when I was younger, from like allergies to having a fluid in my ears, sure. <clears throat> having tubes, uh, surgeries put in there, like mm-hmm. the tubes to be put in. Um, but you know, it was like, it was kind of like my mom was always adamant about like how I, I couldn't be like healthy. So she, you know, would pack like healthy lunches and made us like pack our own healthy lunches. She always like cleaned everything like from mold and yeah. she, she, cause I was just more sensitive than my sister. And, um, it was just like accumulation of things. And then, you know, of course, like losing a kidney and it's like, oh shit, I only have- I didn't know that. Yeah, man. Yeah. So I only have like one and I had that realization. It was sort of like a brick in the head, like a yeah. wake up call for me. It was like, hey, I only have one. Mm-hmm. I need to like change how I live for the rest of my life in order to keep this one lasting yeah. as long without having getting an uh, implant per se. So wow. was that the same for you? Like, you know, I didn't have the, or um, I guess your dad was, yeah, I mean, I didn't have it. the health challenges. I, I think it was me just being uh, raised in an environment where health right. was the focus. And, uh, but it could have gone the other way where you were totally. just rebelling against yeah, that. Yeah, it could have, right? it could have. Uh, but I had a lot of support. I had, and I had a good upbringing and I didn't, feel the need to rebel. Um, some people do, and that's completely reasonable too. Um, 
I mean, I did my own rebelling in my own way, but I think for me, it wasn't so much health challenges as much just seeing what health could be, you know, and, and then also how simple it really could be very easily taking out dairy and stopping allergies and asthma and very simple changes that I saw my dad do. And I said, wow, this is amazing. And, and, and I think for me, it, although I went away from some of those tenants over, you know, over a little while, of course, you know, you're young and eat pizza and crazy stuff and whatever. And you have fun. And then, yeah, especially when you're on your own, you know, yeah, of course yeah. you need to do that. And everybody needs to go through that process, you know, but I think overall, for me, it wasn't individual health challenges like you. I think for me, it was always knowing that my purpose was, as I mentioned, connection, collaboration, and and help, and helping others. And so that's where it always started. And then through my personal development process and my new, not my new, but sort of my reborn feeling of, of what that meant um, that sort of evolved over the last several years through work with health optimization medicine and hyperbaric therapy um, and seeing the results and seeing how I can help people. That's really where it all uh, came together for me. So, yeah. yeah I'm uh, thinking about like people that are out there that are struggling, but they, they're just so uh, with their, it's a habituation, you know, with their habits that they don't realize yeah. that their lifestyle and their choices are putting them in a place. So, you know, I guess it's just a human nature thing that until you actually hit some sort of place where, you know, is some mm-hmm. kind of personal rock bottom or or you get a, a scare where you go into the doctor and they're like, hey, you continue this way. This is sort right. of like the, the result. That's not going to be. That's the most common way people start making changes. And even me, you know, even me, I, I mean, with my mild in comparison health challenges over the years, it's. Like not until something happens, like, oh man, like for example, I gave myself a concussion and it wasn't a huge concussion, but it was a concussion. And then for the first hour or two afterwards, I was like, I'll be fine. You know, I don't need to do anything. I'm okay. And then I was like, two hours later, I'm like, what am I doing? I have chambers. I know what to take. Like, but we all go through these denials of like, I'll be fine, you know? And so even people that are kind of in the know of understanding still have these patterns that we can yeah i'm certainly guilty because i have like the technology to to work on myself and the last thing i want to do is is work on myself sometimes it's kind of like that practitioner dilemma yeah they would say doctors are the worst patients but you know yeah or practitioners are the worst practitioner like uh, you know as far as the worst patients as well whatever you want to say people that it's a common thing. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it's so easy for us to like help yeah. other people, but not ourselves, not like give us that like self care and that self love yeah, sometimes, yeah. you know? Yeah, well, this has been fun, Tony. Yeah, man. Yeah. Are you good with the uh, time? Or? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah I'm all sorry right. to have to. Run yeah, out. I was going to ask you that yeah. too. Yeah, it was awesome. I was super, super glad that uh, we had the time to do this. And yeah, I'm speaking to Dr. Dan, actually. He and I have a call. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I yeah. need to reach out to him, too. Um, any last, like, words or um, any way that people can uh, find out about you yeah. online? Or <clears throat> Well, first of all, thanks, Tony. Thanks yeah, for having absolutely, me. Yeah, absolutely, Scott. This has been a real pleasure. Yeah, and I, I know how much passion you have behind this and everything you do. And thank you. Thank you, I'm man. I'm really for grateful it. for you. Um, I think my parting words would be, yeah, thanks for listening. You know, it's it's been fun to speak with you. I, I know that you have a lot of time to speak to other people. I know that 
those that are listening have a lot of time to do other, they don't have a lot of time to, to really, there's so much out there to, to listen to and to do. So I appreciate the time that if you spent the time, all of us all together with us, thank you. Um, and I would say, you know, if you want to find me, there's a couple of different ways to do it. The best way is to go to my website. It's integrativehbot.com. The word integrative, the letters hbot.com. Or you can just Google my name, uh, Scotcher, MD. Make sure you put the MD or else you get some guy from Sony. Uh, <laughs> S-H-E-R-R is my last name. And I'm here. It's like I do hyperbaric consultation worldwide. Health optimization medicine is coming online. We're looking for doctors, practitioners that are interested to in get certified. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm here, I'm available. I'm, I'm present and looking to help. So if I can't help, I usually can find somebody that can just like you. Dr. Scott, sure. Thank you so much, brother. My pleasure. All <laughs> Thanks right, everybody. All right. Thanks for tuning in everybody. That was an awesome episode with Dr. Scott. Sure. Love that man. He's doing a lot of great work in the world for people who are having a hard time healing um, using that hyperbaric oxygen therapy is very powerful um, I had a chance to try the soft uh, chamber in the past and had seen some benefits and I, I look forward myself to trying the actual hard chamber and uh, going in with uh, Dr. Scott and actually seeing how that oxygen therapy uh, has an effect on my body and my performance and recovery so yeah definitely uh, look up dr scott sure at the bay area hyperbaric oxygen therapy center and uh yeah so much great information including the home or health optimization medicine uh again it's just a great way to get a a baseline diagnostic of what's happening in your body, finding out what's missing, deficient, and insufficient, and getting those things replenished in a quantified scientific way with a pre and post measurement. So check out Dr. Scott. Love that guy again and uh, amazing. This show is sponsored by dropanfbomb.com. They make amazing nut butters. I love Ross and Kara, the proprietors of, you know, creating this incredible product. They're based out of Flagstaff, Arizona. And uh, they just make clean, healthy fats that fuel our bodies and makes us smart. Really gives us the uh, energy that our brain and nervous system really thrives on. So check them out at dropanfbomb.com. Use the promo code FLOWREAL, F-L-O-W-R-E-A-L, and get 20% off of your first order. Thank you so much, you guys, for listening. I really love you all, and uh, can't wait to share the next episode with you of Hangry and Horny. Until then, have an awesome, awesome day or night wherever you are. Peace. Mwah.